Welcome to the Iconic Womanhood Podcast, where we celebrate and learn from the wisdom of authentic, brilliant, conscious, and creative women from all around the world. This podcast will leave you inspired, empowered, and equipped to become truly iconic. And now, here is your host, Akena. She is a transformational coach and speaker. Hello, everyone. It's Ekene here, and welcome to another episode of the Iconic Womanhood Podcast. If you are like me, you have been gorging a little bit on the different videos that have come out from Oprah's Vision Tour. And I recently watched the one with Tracy Ellis Ross, who is my BFF in my head. I just love her energy. We're close in age. And I just love her joie de vivre, the way she lives her life. And uh, there was something about her interview and they were having their fireside chat. And she talked about, you know, just kind of living her life today as a single woman and a woman without a child and a woman with this incredible rich life. And she talked, she said this one thing that informed this whole podcast. She talked about how she had always been told, right, and we, most of us have, that a child would give your life meaning, or people would say things like that, a child would give your life meaning. And so I want to invite you to lean in and listen closely to this particular episode that I am calling A child will give your life meaning and other incomplete narratives. A child will give your life meaning is something that most of us have heard in one way or another, right? I know that I certainly heard that. It was packaged along with the whole idea of getting married and the white picket fence, although in Nigeria we didn't have the white picket fence, but the same idea, right? You you get married, you have a house, you you have children and and you do what you're supposed to do as a woman and you live happily ever after. And that is what is supposed to fulfill you. You do work if you're a modern woman, but you know, work in many ways for women, at least in my time, when I was growing up, it was considered what you did, the right thing to do, right? Because you're responsible, you contribute to the world, but it was never really thought about as the pinnacle of your life, right? So it was almost like a bit of an afterthought. It was what you did to be more marketable as a wife. You know, oh, you're a doctor or you're a lawyer or you're whatever it is, you're okay, yes. You know, that's the kind of woman I want as a wife. That was the way it was kind of presented. In fact, I remember growing up when I was in college, and some of you may remember these kinds of conversations depending on the kinds of communities you come from, but I know a lot of the listeners are similar to me, West African or um, African diaspora, Caribbean diaspora, African-American diaspora may have some of this as well, but certainly in the West African diaspora, we heard things around well, you don't want to do too much, don't get your PhD, you don't want to go, you know, you don't want to go too far because you don't want to make yourself too inaccessible to men. You want to make sure that you're not intimidating to a potential husband. 
And so you are encouraged to hold yourself back in some ways so that you will be marriageable. And then once you are married, then there's that pressure to have a child. And that is supposed to be everything that you need. And once you have that, you should be good. You should be good. It's an incomplete narrative for many reasons. One, most women are not just good with that because that's not enough. A child is a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful, amazing thing. I am blessed to be a mother. But it is not what gives my life meaning, being a mother. The two wonderful girls I get to mother are very much a big part of my life. They are so important to me, but they do not give my life full meaning. They're part of it, but not all of it. For many women that I know, I have friends who are not wanting to have children, and their lives are filled with meaning. And I have many friends who have multiple children who are struggling because their lives lack meaning. That's why it's an incomplete narrative. I felt it was important to amplify that message because you know this already, but it's still important to be said because so many of us have this hidden subconscious or unconscious, I would say, these ideas that have been kind of placed inside of us, these programmings, these narratives that make us feel as if we're failing, make us feel as if our lives are incomplete when perhaps they really are. Because of what we are told, we miss the forest for the trees. So we're told that we're supposed to want this and want that, and we're supposed to have that, and we're supposed to have the husband by this age, and we're supposed to have 2.5 children by this age, plus a dog. And if you don't have it, then you know, you're so busy looking for it that you miss the forest. You're looking for that oak tree. You're looking for that Iroko tree, if you're in Nigeria, right? You're looking for that tree. And you're missing the extraordinary forest that is all around you. You're missing this life. You're standing in place, hoping that the man will come. And if he comes, then the children will come. And you're missing everything that's happening around you. If you are in that place, I'd like you to take a deep breath right now. Let's do it together. And get present to your life. Because your life is amazing. Let me tell you, when I got married, at that time, I thought that was all I needed, right? And now, fast forward many years later, and many different circumstances later, I'm grateful that I found out what I really did need. Because if I had centered my whole life around that particular status, I would have been devastated by today. When I, after I got married, I wanted to have children. I, of course, that was what I was taught I wanted. And I did really want children. Not every woman does, but I did. And to be fair, to be really deeply honest, I wanted no more than two children. I said, it's interesting because I have friends that I went to boarding school with that uh, I actually ran into someone 
that I went to boarding school with and I hadn't seen in years and decades. And she was catching up with me. She said, oh, how many children do you have? I said, well, you know, I, I birthed one and then I have my stepdaughter who is my daughter. And so I have two. And she said, that's so interesting. You always said you really just wanted one or at the most two. And I had forgotten that I said that back when I was 14 years old. But there you are. Apparently, that was uh, what I really wanted. And, and that's what I ended up having. I wanted children. Before I had my daughter, because my um, older daughter, my stepdaughter, didn't come to live with me till she was 15. So when I was, I was, I had my daughter in my early 30s. But at the time, I had miscarriages. I had, you know, it was not an easy path. It was not just one of those, you want, you say you're going to start trying and then boom, uh, here we are, and yeah, you know, joy, joy, joy. I mean, I had the experience of the positive pregnancy uh, result on the, you know, the um, sticks, but I also had the experience of the devastation of the heartbeat no longer being heard, and I had to go through that more than once, and it was devastating, especially when it's your first, because you don't know if you're going to have children. So there's all that fear as well. So I know what it is to want a child deeply. And in fact, I wrote about it in one of my books. I wrote about it initially on Facebook. And I testified because when I got pregnant finally for my daughter. I had gone through this process enough times and I was so devastated already that it took me six weeks of not, you know, of being late to actually decide to check to see if I was pregnant. And when I did check, I had gathered all my faith that particular evening. And once I checked and I saw that it was positive, I gathered all of my faith and and I didn't I locked my door, I didn't talk to anyone, I didn't talk to her father. And um I prayed and I praised for an hour. And I began to declare that I would have this child. And so it was. She was born, it was a difficult pregnancy. I'm very grateful. I love being a mother to this child. I love being a mother to my older daughter. I love this opportunity that I have been gifted with. But it is not all of my life. And it's important for me to say that because I want you to know how much I wanted her. But this is what also happens when you think that this will give your life meaning, whatever it is, whether it's the man or the partner or the, uh, the business or the, the, the weight, like once you lose the weight or the child, whatever it is, right? We have these external things outside of us that we think will give our lives meaning. Anything outside of you is not going to, it has to come from within. It's not going to feed you, right? So whenever we have these things, particularly things like a child, when they don't fill us up, when they don't make us feel fulfilled, 
we can have a lot of guilt and shame around that. And this is why I want to share this story, because the first challenge is that you miss the forest for the trees. The second challenge is you allow the guilt and the shame to take root in you and drag you down, and it becomes a source of disempowerment for you. It becomes a source of self-flagellation. You are self-loathing because you don't even really understand what's happening. But when I had my daughter, as much as I loved her and wanted her, I went through two things that I really think it's important that we talk about because I don't think we talk about it enough. The first thing was I believe, I was never diagnosed because I never went to the doctor to ask, that I believe I had some measure of postpartum depression. Because I remember when I was home with her, and I was alone a lot of the time, uh, it just was, the circumstances were like that for the first six weeks. And um, I was recovering from a C-section, so there was that, the physical uh, pain of it all. But I was just always emotionally overwhelmed. I would look at her and I would just feel wells of sadness, you know, and just cry. And and I struggled to deal. Now, when people came around, this is before Refresh, before I learned how to really have a measure of authentic resilience, I would just get it together. I would rally, and most people would did not know how much I was struggling, which is very common. And that's why I want to share the story, because I think it's important that we begin to have permission to share how hard things are for us. Because by the grace of God, I was not pulled under, but not everyone has that testimony. I would just act like it was okay. And then when I was alone, I would cry and I would struggle. I never weaned my milk, right? So I didn't breastfeed because I struggled. It was just, she wouldn't latch. It was just, I could, I didn't know how to do it right. I had a, uh, I didn't have a doula, but I had a consultant who tried to help me, but I, either I wasn't processing. And, and it makes sense now if I was struggling with postpartum depression, right? And I would try to pump I would pump and pump and pump and nothing would come out. So I never made much milk. I'd have like a an ounce after hours of pumping. So I was never, I wasn't producing milk. I wasn't eating well. I was just, I was struggling. And very few people knew how bad it was. In fact, actually, let me rephrase that. No one knew how bad it was. Some people had a sense that it wasn't that e- easy. My mother finally came and it got a little better when she was here. But it was hard. The second thing that happened was I had a lot of guilt and shame around her not being enough. Because I would think, okay, now I have this baby that I've wanted for so long. Why am I sad? Why do I feel as if my life is not enough? Like, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with you? I would really just beat myself up. Like, what is going on? Now I understand that it was normal for me to feel that way because I hadn't yet discovered the fullness of my purpose. That being a mother was one piece of the thing that I was here to do on this earth, but it wasn't everything. And so 
it was normal that I would feel that way because I had hung my hat on it. It was everything that I thought I needed. And then when I got it, it wasn't enough. It wasn't, and it really wasn't. It wasn't because she wasn't enough, because she certainly was. She was everything she needed to be. But I was here for more. And that's okay. It's not to negate those women who are here to be mothers, because there are some women who that is their purpose. They are the uber moms. That is exactly what they're here to do. That fills their lives up. But it's not the story for every woman. There are many women who will not have children. And many who don't want to have children. It makes it doesn't make them any less of a woman. It makes them more of who they truly are. Everyone was designed particularly, peculiarly, with intention to fulfill purpose. And so your purpose is going to look very different from my purpose. And my goal today is to give you permission to allow your purpose be what exactly what it is, to allow yourself to unfold in such a way that you can truly discover your own meaning. I'm going to talk a little bit about how you can kind of mine for meaning in a sense as I close out the podcast, but I just want at least to open you up to give yourself permission to say, you know what, if this is not enough, if this isn't enough, it isn't enough and that's okay. So I had all of that guilt and shame. And I remember when I decided to write my first book, because I had, you know, my daughter had grown up a little bit. She was like a year old and in that beautiful toddler age. I loved the toddler age, even though it's a lot of work. They are so adorable and cute. And um, I loved being a mom of a toddler. And we did all the mom and mommy and me kind of things, gymboree and all of those things that I, I just adored doing those things. But I had begun to come to myself little by little and and had a recognition that, oh, there's more. There's more for me. And one of the things that had come to me was I wanted to write. I'd always written. I'd always been a writer of some sort, but never um, pursued it in a proper way. I remember in my creative writing class, I lacked discipline. That's the honest truth. My creative writing class years ago in college, Professor Dima, I will never forget his name, he said to me once, he said, Ekene, you have the soul of a poet, but you lack discipline. (laughs) And so I never really uh, wrote seriously. I just wrote for fun. And I decided I was going to attempt to write a book, and I was going to write Chicklet. At the time, my favorite book was uh, The Diary of Bridget Jones, because I had just, I I read a lot of literature. I do read a lot of serious literature. I I had everything from, you know, Toni Morrison. I I had this whole movement where I would read you know, how the Garcia girls lost their accents and all of the books, like the different cultural uh, books. I would read all of them. Maurice Condé. I wanted to read all the writers of color and take in all the different cultures of the diaspora. And I would read other writers as well and, and 
read European writers and and just try to understand it all and 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 let the words dance in my head and and sometimes I would say them aloud and feel the weight of them on my tongue. So I loved writing, I loved reading, I loved everything to do with books. But when I read the diary of Bridget Jones, it was so perfect. It was contemporary, it spoke to me, and I wanted to hear voices like mine and stories like mine. And so I embarked upon a project. I didn't have an MFA. I didn't have anyone to tell me I I, I could do it. I just dared. I said, you know what? I'm going to write a book. Hey. And so I wrote The Mrs. Club. And it's the little book that can. Till today, I get feedback from that book. And I went, when I started to write the book, I remember beginning to feel like myself. And I would write while my baby slept, you know, and she was, you know, getting toddler age and still in the big crib and going to the toddler bed. And I would sit with her and I would write while she slept and I would feel full because I was finally beginning to step into my purpose. It's so important that we have this conversation, because not only are some people struggling with all this guilt and shame, some of you are shooting at the wrong target. What do I mean by that? There's a lack of meaning, but you don't understand that that's what you're feeling. That's why you feel dissatisfied. And so you think it's everything else in your life. And so you're dealing with all this, quote unquote, referred pain, something that the medical professionals will understand. You think it's coming from here, but it's not. It's actually coming from over there. It's coming from your lack of meaning, but you think it's the relationship. You think it's the, maybe I need another child. You think it's, maybe I need another job. Maybe I need a bigger car. Maybe I need a bigger house. Maybe I need a Mercedes. Maybe I need some red bottoms, whatever it is. So you keep chasing something external, hoping that that is what will give your life meaning. I believe men have this challenge as well. You keep looking for the bigger paycheck or the bigger title. This is not to say that ambition is negative because some people will find their meaning in, you know, through their ambition. This is not to say any of that, that you should just, you know, sit and write. That's my path, not yours. But be true to yourself and ask yourself, what is it that I really want? What am I really here to do? Because if you don't know, you keep shooting at the wrong target. But what you really need to do is stop, think, connect to your spirit, connect to your soul, hear your inner voice. And I'm going to give you some other things to think about to help lead you to the right target. And then you stop shooting at the, in the dark, so to speak, or you stop running from pillar to post, and you start to operate with strategy. And you move closer and closer to who you're really meant to be, and you find meaning in your life. And with that, fulfillment, joy, and abundance. Because I believe God is that good, that he has set it up so that when you have purpose, you have abundance. So 
I'd like to leave you with a few things to think about that will help you begin to discover your path to meaning. One is what are your core values? What really matters to you? What's most important? If you don't have a sense of your core values, then it's very hard to get in alignment with them. So I'd like you to take a few minutes and think about that. What are my core values? What really matters to me? What are the things that I really need in my life? And then think about how can I live more in alignment with these core values? If I'm going to do this kind of work, is it in alignment with my core values? The way I'm choosing to live, it is, is it in alignment with that? Because if you work in alignment with it, it will bring you meaning. If you live in alignment with it, it will bring you meaning. So you might work, you might be a physician. And you enjoy that work, but your core values are for family, are for service, contribution. And then so you doing some philanthropy work and you getting out there and and serving at the homeless shelter and maybe having big family dinners every Friday, that will give you such a sense of meaning because that's in alignment with your core values. The other thing to think about is the impact that your work has and the impact the way you live your life has. Think about the impact because that gives you meaning. Every time someone tells me how the work I've done has blessed them, whether it's that they've listened to a podcast or they read something I wrote or some in some way they have been touched, it gives me the energy to go on because, you know, entrepreneurship is not for children, okay? <laughs> I don't know an entrepreneur, even when you are making money, that doesn't get tired and say, you know what? This is for the birds. <laughs> it happens. But when I think about the impact, I am energized. I feel fulfilled. I am grateful. So think about the impact of the work that you're doing. Ask yourself, does this have impact? Does this have the kind of impact that I want? Think about the impact of the way you're living your life. Because you might be you might be looking down at the things you do and thinking that they're not that powerful, but you sitting down and having a cup of tea with a neighbor, you being that person who always brings the cookies or the casseroles, you don't know how much you're touching people's lives. And if you understood the impact, maybe you would be able to find more meaning in the little things that you do. Engage your passions in the work that you do. Don't be afraid to bring them to the table. Infuse them into everything you're doing. So for me as an entrepreneur, as a coach, when I first started doing events, I made them highly experiential because I'm passionate about experiences. I did things that now at the time were really unusual, right? I would have uh, an event around branding and I would have roses of different colors and ask you to go and make an intentional rose bouquet. Those of you that came to Bloom in Atlanta back in the day, you remember that because I wanted you to think about who you were as you thought about your personal brand. I would have uh, events where I would tell you to go up the mountain and we would have exercises because that's who I am. And that was me infusing passion. I would get excited about my events because they weren't just events that followed somebody's template. They were very uniquely me and infused with passion. So how can you infuse 
your passions into your work, into your business, into your day-to-day living, because that is how you will discover meaning. And finally, do not be driven by fear. Let faith be your driver, because fear will cause you to not listen to your own true voice. Fear will cause you to chase things and not truth. Fear will cause you to chase status and not think about impact. Fear will push you outside of yourself. But faith, faith grounds you. Faith deepens you. Faith elevates you. So I wanted to take a moment and just have one of these Real Talk podcast episodes. I hope that this has blessed you. I wanted to share a little bit from my life, some of my life stories, and I hope that they have given you some some things to think about. And I hope that you're feeling some emotional and spiritual yummies right about now, because honestly, let me tell you, this is going to be really corny, but I'm sending you a hug. I really am. I so deeply enjoy meeting you guys when I run into people who listen to this podcast. It's the little podcast that can. I so deeply appreciate each of you that has left a review and has sent me a message. I so hope that you will continue to share this with people that you think will benefit from it. I hope that you have subscribed. I hope that if you haven't left a review or rating that you go ahead and do that. I would love for you to come join me in my free Facebook community called Iconic Womanhood. It's where I share even more and we get to connect and have more engagement. I hope that you will consider going deeper into the work with the Iconic Woman Mastermind. For those of you that are really wanting to be purposeful and elevate and want to go deep into the programming that you've had and you want to let go of all of that stuff and you want to live this powerful, abundant life. You want to be a better leader, a better woman, a more powerful person in the world. If you're ready to step up and take your place as a luminary, I hope you will join me by checking out iconicwomanmastermind.com because we're enrolling for the next cohort right now. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Be well.